HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit HeritageFoodsUSA.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high, no bad look in his eye, oh man he's high, yes higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host Damon Bolte. In the studio today, got a couple of buddies from Denizen Rum. We have Nick Pellis and Marshall Altier. How are you doing guys? Doing great, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, so we've got Nick as the founder and Marshall. He's the director of trade um, development. And I just noticed your 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 label just changed recently, right? Because the bottle I have is quite a bit different. This is a little bit more old school, right? Yeah, it did actually. We wanted to upgrade the package to have a package that's more in line with the quality of the spirit inside the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely a retro look. Uh, we wanted to have some of the elements of Holland, which is where the brand is uh, blended in Amsterdam. So there's a lot of orange in there, but at the same time, uh, we wanted it to look like an old school rum bottle, some that you would find floating in the ocean right if you're on. stranded on a, a deserted island. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And how did this product come about? Because it's been around very. It's fairly recently released, right? We actually launched in New York in uh, March of 2010 so we limited our distribution really wanted to focus on you know quote-unquote ambassador bars that could really give us some street credibility um and we've been successful we're in some of the hottest bars and restaurants in new york and um and now we're starting to expand with our distribution deal with southern wine and spirits uh but you know in terms of how this product came about my vision was really to reintroduce flavor to the white rum category that I felt had been distilled out by mass producers over the years. We call Denison a liberated spirit because it really frees the flavor of rum cocktails, particularly simple, easy-to-make, classic rum cocktails that don't require a lot of mixers to be added to the drink. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but rum much like many other spirits, experienced its golden age in the 20s and 30s, uh, you know, obviously before Prohibition, but also during Prohibition in places like Cuba, where wealthy Americans and, um, you know, celebrities traveled to long before Las Vegas. 
And in Cuba, in Havana in particular, there was a bar called El Florida uh, that that really gave birth to modern rum mixology trends. And they, they um, started making classic rum cocktails such as, you know, the daiquiri, the El Presidente, the, the Flamingo. And they used very old school, flavorful, funky, aged white rums such as Havana Club, Anejo Blanco for those type of drinks. So uh, we didn't feel, we felt that there wasn't, um, a product available in the U.S. because obviously the embargo with Cuba that's similar and has a, a taste profile consistent with Havana Club and Ajo Blanco. So that was the opportunity we identified in the marketplace. And that's what kind of inspired us to introduce Denizen. It's a really flavorful uh, white rum. Uh, so it doesn't taste like a vodka at all. A lot of white rums right now, as I mentioned, you know, we felt our mass produce. So it's all about, uh, you know, continuous distilling, uh, stripping out flavor, making it vodka-like. And um, we felt that's not what rum is all about. Rum is, you know, one of the classic spirits in the world. And we wanted to, to reintroduce uh, a classic rum, particularly a white rum, to consumers in the U.S. market. Yeah, cool. And like if you, as you said, you know, you kind of were inspired by Havana Club, which we can't get here, which is great because everybody wants it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's cool. Um, so... What is the aging process that you do use for this rum? Well, um, as I mentioned, we, we think that Denizen is a liberated spirit because it consists of three dimensions of flavor or three styles of rum. So Denizen consists of aged rum that's been aged in small uh, American bourbon oak barrels. Uh, it's Trinidadian rum from the famed Angostura distillery, uh, and it's aged in Trinidad, which is important because if products are aged in the Caribbean because the temperature is so hot, um, it doesn't take a long time for the aging to really influence the character of the spirit. So um, we age denizen, uh, the aged portion of it from Trinidad, uh, between three to five years. So most white rums in the market today are only aged two years, and the aging process, all it really does is it just mellows out some of the harsher elements. It's not intended to really add character and flavor. For us, the aging is a big part of what Denizen is all about. It adds that vanilla, spicy uh, note that you would come to expect from barrel aging. But that in and of itself would have made a one-dimensional rum. So we wanted to add, again, you know, more dimensions. So we added some fresh, unaged uh, Trinidadian rum, also from Angostura, which uh, provided some of the more earthy, bitter notes to balance off some of the sweeter elements from the aging. But the real star of this blend is that third dimension of flavor, which is the Jamaican pot still rum. We wanted a backbone of flavor that's uncommon in everyday mixing rums. And uh, we felt that the best way to get that flavor was to complement you know, the sweeter, more smoother Trinidadian notes with this funky uh, floral bouquet that you can only get from Jamaican pot still rum. So, you know, it, it really is a liberated spirit. I mean, you know, when we first, you know, started thinking about the brand, that, that term kept on coming to life. And uh, we, the more we started thinking about it, the more we started, you know, talking to the master blenders behind the brand, we feel we've accomplished this. When you have a Denison cocktail, you know you're having a Denison cocktail. The flavor really comes through overpowering mixers. It's a rebellious blend. It rebels against strong mixers such as Coke that could just consume lighter um, rums like, like a Bacardi, for example. You're making me thirsty, so... Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll get to that soon enough. But, but um, yeah, so that's really cool. I mean, like, I, I, I think that is uh, a part of the market that obviously we definitely needed for a while. But especially for like 
for a lot of cocktail drinkers and cocktail bartenders, we're we're starting to like really gain a taste again for stronger flavors, you know, more bold, like, you know, like Rittenhouse Hunter Proof Rye, you know, we're putting that in everything and like like Smith and Cross being the uh, Jamaican pot still uh, Navy strength rum, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is a huge funk bomb. Uh, but and, like you can just see with like even like even more bitters and like Fernet and like all these bold flavors, we're starting to actually readjust to what our palate would have been like a hundred years ago before we hit prohibition and started losing all these ingredients. And I think it's a really cool thing that uh, not only the customers and the bartenders are recognizing that, but now producers like yourself are starting to realize that they that, that this is something that we've been needing. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, it comes down to, to small entrepreneurs in the spirit industry, to be quite honest. I think, you know, the bigger, more established uh, suppliers, you know, they, they cut corners. It's all about profit at the end of the day. And Quantity, it's, uh, not quality. It's, yeah. it's, it's really about volume. And, um, you know, I, I think part of it, part of the reason why we've lost flavor in the rum category in particular, specifically within the white rum sub-tier, is because of these tax subsidies that the U.S. government started providing uh, islands such as Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, these subsidies are entirely based on the amount of volume of rum that distillers based in these islands import into the U.S. They're not tied to any quality standards whatsoever. So obviously you've seen, you know, Puerto Rico has lost uh, some of these subsidies when Captain Morgan decided to switch their uh, production of their spiced rum to the U.S. Virgin Islands, St. Croix, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, it's just, it, it's a it's a profit game, it's a volume game, and for us, we wanted to celebrate the craftsmanship of old school rum, and, um, you know, it takes guts, to be honest with you, you know, uh, it, re- it really does, but we have a passion in what we do that uh, some of the bigger companies don't necessarily have, particularly as it relates to, to rum products. Yeah. I mean, like, and I feel like a lot of times the bigger companies are, it's not just about the, it's, it's, there are a lot of gimmicks involved. Like I just saw something for, and I'm not talking shit, but I'm, <laughs> but I can because I'm never going to have them on my show, but uh, Malibu put out a, a, what is it called? Red. And it has like, it's Malibu coconut rum with tequila. In tequila. It. Yeah. That's, sounds disgusting yep yeah, but it's like it's all about like this marketing gimmicky thing you know I, like I, I just don't understand i mean i get it because they're for all the three of us geeking out about cocktails in here and geeking about rums there are so many more people out there that don't give a shit about what they put in their body it's true but i think um you know we're, we're hitting the influencers and it's only a matter of time um and, you know, it's going to start spreading out. You know, right now, the metro areas obviously have these great cocktail bars where, you know, the bartenders are acting like bar chefs. They, they really yeah, spend totally. a lot of time making sure that their drinks have high-quality, fresh ingredients. And, um, you know, it, you're going to start seeing that proliferation in, you know, in New York, in the outer boroughs, and, you know, in the suburbs of, of the majority of America. I mean, even with, like, you know, when we have, like, bartender competition, like, cocktail competitions, and, like, different things like the Manhattan Cocktail Classic and Tales of the Cocktail, Portland Cocktail Week, you're starting to see that even, like, there's a San Antonio uh, cocktail, I can't, remember, I can't remember who put that one up, but uh, the San, or, or San Diego one, or Sorry, San Antonio. Too many sands. Uh, Arizona uh, as well. Yeah, Arizona. Um, it's it's cool because like even when you look at magazines, uh, you know, like cooking magazines and drinks magazines, you're starting to see these bartenders' recipes getting credited from all over the country, like St. Paul, Minnesota, and you know, 
uh, Boise, Idaho, or Gary, Indiana, or whatever. You Cleveland, know. Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio, right there. <laughs> yeah. Lone Wolf, Oklahoma. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's cool that, like, that reach is starting to get out there. And, you know, even just the other day, I was walking around with some buddies, uh, hitting some bars in New York City, and I just started to realize, like, wow, I haven't been to this place, haven't been to this place yet. It's like, and I feel like all I ever do is go to bars, but, like, <laughs> we're, uh, there's so many more now. Half of them will close before you ever get there. <laughs> I, well, that's, well, the way the way I get around it, yeah, probably. But, but, I mean, no, it's cool because, like, there was a point when this all first started up, the the you know renaissance of cocktails in the modern day, when we started getting these great books repressed and better bar tools, better ingredients, better spirits coming out, that it became a thing. And like to, there was a lot of poaching going on with different bars that were opening up. They were taking, and I'm not going to mention any names, um, but they were taking like the good bartenders from the places where they were established to open up another place. But then that person would just leave that place, and like ended up having all these bars open up, and there weren't enough bartenders that knew what they were doing to to man the shift, you know. But now it's actually I feel like it's starting to level out, you know. It's like we're starting to like catch up, and it's the same thing with the spirits category, you know, like the spirits in general. It's like we had these cocktail bars popping up, and you know these smaller cities uh, places you wouldn't really think there was a scene for it that couldn't even have access for something like like a denizen rum but now we're actually getting to that point you know we're like you know dolan blanc vermouth you can start get you're, you're starting to be able to find that in smaller satellite mm-hmm. cities you know and it's it's really cool like we're coming a long way and to have a product like this come out that's actually really affordable for the quality too uh it's just an awesome time you know it's cool that we're going to have an awesome drink <laughs> here in a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, white rum shouldn't be expensive. You know, by virtue of what it is, it's it, it's a pretty straightforward thing to make and and yeah. doesn't have to cost a lot. Yeah, pretty much 80% of, of rum, the way it's consumed in the U.S. right now, is a Cuba Libre or oh, yeah. rum and coke or a mojito. And... You know, unless you really are passionate about the cocktails that you make in your in your venue, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what rum you, you choose to pour because the mint in a mojito and the Coke is just so strong, it overpowers it. Right. You know, so, um, you know, with, with Denizen, I think that we can actually capture uh, the majority of, of the rum business in a Cuba Libre and a mojito because... You know the the cost per ounce is affordable for venues. Yeah. So we're not necessarily asking them to take a step up and pay more for something that you know is kind of you know a mainstream drink in their in their in their uh, cocktail program. Totally. Speaking of drinks, why don't we take a break? Because I keep I can't stop staring at this mixing glass over here. <laughs> um, when we get back, we'll be talking with Nick and Marshall of Denizen Rum. And we'll be making an awesome cocktail called the El Presidente. Back in a moment. I'm a medicine. Still didn't be the fear of God, but all he was a man. And I'm going down. Yeah, I'm going down. Yeah, I did it then. Lord knows I'd do it again. I'm going down. So I went to my sister.
following is a message from HeritageFoodsUSA.com. Heritage Foods USA promotes genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. Committed to making wholesome, delicious, and sustainably produced heritage foods available to all Americans. Heritage Foods USA purchases 200 heritage pigs a week, each and every week, from a network of about 25 independent farms. In addition to pork, they also process about 7,500 heritage turkeys each November, as well as small amounts of other foods like heritage lamb, beef, and chicken. Learn more and order today at HeritageFoodsUSA.com. And we are back. We've just been speaking with Nick Billis and Marshall Altier from Denizen Rum, talking about the, the company itself and how the, the inspiration of coming up with this flavor profile of a, an amazing, flavorful white rum, which is something a lot of people don't think of. Like, as you said before, it's it's a lot of times mass-produced and comes off more like a vodka. But this one, you've got some really cool flavor profiles going into it. And uh, now we're going to make a cocktail. Uh, this is a classic. I'm going to let you take it away, Marshall. Cool. Yeah. Um, we're going to make the El Presidente. Um El Presidente is a pretty cool um, anomaly within that era of Cuban mixology that Nick was talking about earlier during the 1920s when there was prohibition going on in the States. A lot of people were going to Havana to party. It's kind of like what Vegas might be thought of now. It was a place where people went and gambled and drank all night, and you could do that legally. And so um, following that, there were a lot of bartenders that left the States to go get work in Cuba and them along with the the Cuban contingent of bartenders that were already very creative and working with these flavorful white rums started to um, really get you know funky and come up with this vast list of classic cocktails and this is where the you know the daiquiri might have been invented already but that's where it kind of became famous and the flamingo and you know the mojito at, at La Bodeguita and all these famous things now this is when they really started to hit their stride so the El Presidente is kind of an anomaly in the sense that it's the one drink that I know of anyway um, that's stirred that's spirit on spirit out of all of those because a lot of them have fruit juices and grenadine and a lot of these typical Cuban ingredients there's only um, one other white rum cocktail that I know of that's stirred and it's called the Three Faces do you know that one? no it's I don't white rum yellow chartreuse and I want to say uh, like Galliano or something like that is I'll it, look it up is and it a I'll modern see. one or is it a classic? it's, it's old I, I think huh. I got it out of the uh, uh the uh, the mixers journal uh, uh, what's the guy's name mixers manual by oh god okay mixers manual I'm sure I know I, they, it's they gonna come to me halfway through the uh, okay. <laughs> the recipe but I'll, I, I'll find I, it I'll be you. anxious to hear about it there's one other one that um, alternates between aged white and just aged ambiguous you know in a cocktail book that you'll have that those ambiguities um, aged rums and that's the uh, fair and warmer which I think is a Charles H Baker drink and that's got vermouth and curacao which again you see here. Um, but this one's pretty distinctly um, Cuban in the sense that it does have granity for some color. And that was a, a, a very typical ingredient at the time. Um, so that kind of tips it off. Um, and I've heard it described as kind of the Manhattan of the time, but um, it's, it's a little more like a, a classic martini in the sense that we're using the aged white rum. And again, the, uh, well, I'll go into this later. Sorry, excuse me. It, it's equal parts of the aged white rum and, um, and Blanc Vermouth. And this, this cocktail, if you, if you do some research on it, there's a lot of different um, interpretations of it. And some people use aged rum and therefore brown rums instead of white. 
Um, but uh, about a year ago, when uh, about the same time that we started to really um, kick Dennis in, into gear and do a lot of research on Cuban drinks, um, Dave Wandrich did some really interesting um, work on this drink and figured out that probably that it wasn't dry vermouth, which is what a lot of people were using for a long time, but the uh, Blanc vermouth. Uh, um, and I think the recipe that he found was from 1924, and it called for Chambry, and they figured out that Chambry vermouth would have been... Um, well, Blanc exported, long story short. Um, so, um, again, typical of that kind of style of drink from Cuba and typical of a martini, if you can sort of imagine molding those together. We've got equal parts of white rum and equal parts of the Blanc vermouth, and there's a little curacao in it surrounded out. Grenadine really gives it color more than anything. There's not a lot of flavor from it. We're making the grenadine fresh, of course. That's important to the drink. Um the original spec doesn't call for it, but I like a little orange bitters. I don't even really use a full dash in this of Regan's. I use about half a dash, just a few drops. Um, it just spices it up a little bit and ties it together, which is, you know, what bitters do. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and stir it up now. Yeah, go yeah. for it. I figured out where that Three Faces cocktail is from. Okay, good. Uh, it's the Patrick Evan Duffy Patrick mixer's Evan name. Duffy. And it's uh, one ounce light rum, one ounce Galliano, and half an ounce Campari. I'm not try that one out. I, you know what? It's been probably five years since I've made that one, but uh, I remember it, it was pretty good. But pretty good. I mean, eh, <laughs> maybe questionable. Might have to tweak it a little bit. Yeah, but, you might know, have that, to. Again, that was, for me, that was one of the really fun things of starting to work with Dennis and rediscover these drinks. It's It, it just reawakens the drinks, you know, mm-hmm. that this... The El Presidente, El Presidente, excuse me, I remember making as a young bartender, and probably I used you know a, a decent brand of white rum at the time. I thought and and dry vermouth, and I just thought this drink sucks. Like next, you know, yeah, <laughs> on to the next drink. Well, um, I remember seeing it in the uh, the museum of uh, the American. Wait, was the uh, uh, sorry the uh, the tells a cocktail book the black little black yep, book? Yep. Um, I remember seeing it in there and making it with dry vermouth and being like, this drink sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, like you said, next. I think Nick and I have both, we've talked about this and we've agreed that this is one of the really cool aspects of Denizen of being able to say like, hey, like, you don't have to dismiss white rum in stirred drinks anymore. We can start to think about it that way. Uh, I agree. It's it's all about the versatility of, of the product. And that's been our key selling point to a lot of the bars uh, that we've been selling Denizen into the fact that you know they can make very simple drinks, you know, with with Denizen, and they don't have to spend a lot of money on expensive liqueurs. Uh, that the the spirit itself has a lot of flavor that should be celebrated in the cocktails. But if they really want to get um, you know really expressive and and try making these world class cocktails with you know very unique ingredients that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere that Denizen will just be able to elevate those cocktails to another level. So um, it's kind of a one-stop shop with Denizen where you don't necessarily have to spend $29.99 on a a dark rum and $14.99 on a white rum. You could get everything you want in in just a bottle of Denizen aged white rum. El Presidente. So um, just so everybody has the spec out there, Again, we're doing equal parts of the... Um, I'm using Dolin Blanc Vermouth, but, um, you know, Martini and Rossi will stand in just fine if you can find that. Um, one and a half ounces of the vermouth, one and a half ounces of Denizen rum, equal parts to uh, stand up to one another. I'm using a full bar spoon of Grand Marnier or 
orange curacao, whatever you've got at home should uh, work for you. Make sure it's a curacao, not a triple sec for the body. Um, about half a bar spoon of homemade grenadine. In this case, I'm doing just equal parts of pomegranate juice and sugar reduced down with a little orange blossom water a few dashes this is you know if you don't have orange blossom water no big deal but it really does add a nice touch you can Um, find it at most grocery most most specialty grocery stores yeah you can find orange blossom water and it's you know if you ever want to make a ramos gin fizz you should have it at home anyway Um, and then I've used a little bit of Regan's Orange Bitters to tie the whole thing together. And this is not really the classic recipe, but for me, it just kind of adds a, another dimension of flavor to the drink. Well, that's a great thing about uh, modern cocktail making, especially with classic cocktail recipes, is that you can tweak them, you know? Yeah. It's never it's never just a straight up, like, this has to be this way. I mean, I've always said I wanted to do, like, a flow chart of all these classics and how just, like... The tiniest bit of difference in one spec, you know, it's got a completely different name, yeah, or just like a different a, family. Yeah, yeah sure. it's it's weird how that happens, but it's true. Um, but I think a lot of times people were making like they were putting out all these books, and it, you would see it in different ways and different. Some of them were branded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and like like for instance, the Bacardi cocktail, it's a daiquiri, mm-hmm. but it has grenadine in it. Cheers, guys. Salud. Cheers. You're way over there. I'd clink your glass. <laughs> Oh man, that's fantastic, Jack! You got to get one of these. <laughs> Jack's looking through the window like, man, I hate you guys. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, it really does stand up with all those flavors. And I've noticed when I've used it with like even like different amari, like Maletti, uh, Averna, you know, stuff that has a little bit more like baking spice to it. Mm-hmm. It really works well to like with cinnamon and things like that. Yeah, that's that. It's that sort of like a American oak influence mm-hmm. being brought out you know mm-hmm. but the the rum really finishes dry at the same time too which um i, I guess i didn't experience a lot as a, as maybe i'm a little bit sheltered as a cocktail bartender but i never hear a lot of people say like you know rum is sweet to me but now going out and talking more to people about rum working with the brand i hear that a lot you know i always thought rum was sweet and it definitely doesn't have to be that <laughs> no not at all in fact my favorite ones are, you know, like the drier, Super like dry. funkier, yeah. like like you were saying, the Jamaican rum, which you can definitely get in this. Yeah, I love that, like just kind of funky, grassy, you know. Earthy. One 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 thing that we're um, also kind of talking about now is is um, extending the the product line to do an aged rum as well. Um, eventually, we're, we're cool. not we're not there yet, and that's that's one thing you know we've not to mention any names, but we're looking at the more kind of dry, funky styles of of aged rums and that, that's kind of the benchmark for me anyway so this is actually on your website uh you you were talking about this earlier that you have a uh a section called the rum diaries yeah um rummixology.com which is a separate um entity from the website because it's it's not about the brand really it's about the category of rum cool. and we're working more and more every day to make it a conversation with the industry across the world really and get other bartenders involved to talk about how they're using rum because like we talked about already, this is a, this is a growing category. You know, we want we want to start a conversation so that it's kind of an open forum. Um, but I've I've been doing a lot of um, uh, adding to the blog myself, just ideas of things like talking about stirred white rum cocktails, for instance. And, and this so, is up this month, right? Th- yeah, this will be up. Actually, um, this post is going up live today, so this will be Very the cool. the history of the El Presidente and um, sort of the, you know a spec and why we think it's cool for the rum we'll we'll talk about that a little bit on the blog yeah. awesome awesome and that's great because you'll have the uh, the, the spec and the photo will be up yep, of that absolutely awesome. and that's cool i need to check that out too because um as much as i love rum i should i should probably be brushing up especially now that it's summertime and 
It's yeah. time to rock it. Yeah. I'm not saying that rum is bad in the winter because <laughs> I, I love good rum cocktails in the winter. I like to switch it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, have for like sure. A, have a mo- uh, caipirinha or you know, a mojito in the, in the middle of uh, the dead of winter. It's it's definitely daiquiri season. In fact, the uh, the nineteenth of of the month is National Daiquiri Day. So nice. we've been talking about what we want to to do to sort of kick that off. But you know, we're we're there. This is high season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's what we were talking about before the show a little bit uh, about the white rum category and how when you take it to a bar, it's like. One of the first things that the bartender does nowadays, and I love this, I love this, uh, especially like with cocktail bars and whatnot, they always do the daiquiri test. I I do it every time a white run comes in because yeah. you know I want to I I know like what the other flavors, the lime and the sugar, taste like in the drink. That way, I can judge the rum with it, and it's one of the most perfect drinks anyway. The daiquiri it really is the litmus test for for a rum and also for just balance in general. Um, I, I think I mentioned earlier. I heard Audrey Sanders. Uh, I think it was. At Speed Rack this year at Manhattan Cocktail Classic, I heard her refer to it, it as the acid test, and I think that's kind of a fun um, little way to think about it because you know it really is is kind of <laughs> dipping the litmus paper in, yeah. into the drink and figuring out what's going on in there in that rum. You, you certainly can't hide poorly distilled uh, distillates in a daiquiri, right? Because there's just three basic ingredients: it's just yeah. lime juice, yeah. simple syrup, and the base spirit, the white rum, and um, you know that that's our go-to cocktail to be honest with you because it's all about the flavor of that is an aged white rum and how it enhances and complements the flavors of the lime and, and the simple syrup but just to go back to your earlier point about you know rum being an all-year-round type of spirit um that's something that we we strongly believe in and we've actually modified our um our cocktail uh, list uh, or pipeline of cocktail recipes uh, that, that Marshall put together to include fall-winter recipes. So we have variations of the daiquiri that are more in line with fall-winter. So we have a spice daiquiri, which includes uh, infused simple syrup uh, that, that has uh, cardamom, which is a tradi- traditional Trinidadian spice, yep. um, cloves, a little all nut, spice, a little nutmeg. nutmeg. People, people oh, yeah. love it. Nutmeg, and it, and it totally yeah. takes you to that place mentally when you have it, even though the yeah. daiquiri is such a traditional summer-style drink. It, it's it's also so malleable. It's such a just a skeleton, you know, that you can oh, sort of totally. lay flavors it's on like, top of. It's like a Manhattan, you know? Yeah. You have a, a, like a very base foundation, Endless. and you can... I mean, how many variations are there on the Manhattan yeah. nowadays? Yep. You know? It's crazy. Yeah, we, also, we have a really great... Um, Variation on um, Dick Bradsell's treacle that we do with oh, the cool. rum, and um, using using my baked apple bitters in that one. Nice. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and just molasses and fresh pressed apple juice, and that, that people love that in the winter time. So, you know, because of the influence of the American oak, the rum really is kind of versatile in that way. Very cool. Yeah. Um, are you guys planning on doing anything down at uh, Tales of the Cocktail in a couple weeks? Um, we're not in New Orleans yet, and we're really kind of focusing on on New York and and moving out west um, sooner rather than later. <laughs> um, and so you know, we'll I'll have some bottles for some friends down there. Maybe you know, I, maybe I shouldn't say that because it's probably not the the most legal thing in the world to do to bring some bottles but you know i've got some friends that operate bars and i always like to bring them treats and especially with the new package we'll we'll be down there kind of sharing sharing the love but um nothing active uh, as of this year well we're um denizen is a founding member of the rump for all initiative that's sponsored by paul picult (laughs) and sean ludford so again 
you know, Marshall and, and I are not naive enough to think that Denizen is, you know, the only white rum in the market today, and it's the best white rum. We want to elevate the entire rum category. And having said that, we felt it was important to support people like Paul Picult and Sean Ludford that are looking to take, you know, rum to the pantheon of spirits and, and cocktails going forward. So, you know, Denizen is one of the 15 founding members, and we're going to be featured in their seminar which they're conducting down in, in New Orleans. Oh, very cool. That's um, really, really an honor to be asked. It's an invite-only situation to be yeah. part of that, and it's a very selective group. Um, so I, I, I'm embarrassed that I left that out. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll be there. I'll be there. In fact, if every, anyone's down at Tales of the Cocktail and makes it to the Rum for All seminar, come, come say hi. I have to look through my email and see if I got invited to that one. <laughs> uh, I've been getting bombarded by uh, media emails for the, uh, the whole event, and uh, I... I can't make them all but i definitely want to try and make it to that one it sounds time. awesome it's that time yeah well cool thanks so much for being on the show guys i can't believe we had a rum show and didn't talk about tiki drinks at any point <laughs> that's awesome next time yeah next time you'll have to come back you know um, i'd love to yeah so thanks again for coming on the show marshall and nick and check out denizen rum it's denizenrum.com Mm-hmm. And, uh, and rummixology.com rummixology.com and I guess next time I'll see you we'll be in New Orleans alright <laughs> alright cool thanks again Thank alright we will see you next week on the speakeasy cheers thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our programs archived on our website or by searching iTunes for Heritage Radio Network. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website. Thanks for listening.